Hello, welcome to Shepherd the Sheep. Today, Gino Glamro, Jason Vaughn, and Chris Youngson will be talking about understanding who man is and the difference between believers and unbelievers. Good day. Welcome, guys. Hey. We got uh, Chris here today. One of We do have Chris here. Chris, give it a shout out. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Yeah, see that, Chris? Your voice is just fine. Thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's, uh, I'm glad you took a couple weeks off so you could be on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. I planned for this. No, it was total dedication. I mean, you could have done one day, but you were like, no, we'll do two weeks. <laughs> yeah. So the preparation work on your part. Uh, is really, I'm really excited about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, good little discussion today. Hopefully, hopefully helpful to you. Uh, probably a uh, very instrumental discussion. Uh, and looking through the podcast list, almost kind of shocked that we haven't talked about it until now. Like, kind of weird because this is a pretty important topic to me, um, to us. But in terms of serving people in the ministry, Right, there's always this um, this need to understand who you're serving so that you can serve them rightfully, right? And so, you know, the way you some you know wisdom would dictate that that though there are similar principles, understanding who you're talking to really does matter where you start, and so in understanding who man is, uh, we need to differentiate. Because there really are only two kinds of people on earth right now. And that is there are believers and unbelievers. And in terms of ministering to believers and unbelievers, very important that we understand out of the gate that if you're talking to an unbeliever, you may counsel them different than you talk to a believer. Uh, And even the kind of expectations you can have, right? And again, we want to navigate expectations very cautiously, but even the kind of expectations or things you can anticipate are going to be drastically different depending on who you're talking to. And so uh, it's good It's good for us to talk about this. And for those listening, really good that you understand the difference between a believer and an unbeliever so that um, you're not upset wrongfully based on somebody's actions because your expectations especially is to expect an unbeliever to act like a believer. And then you're upset that the unbeliever is sitting there denying what most believers would readily accept. And so it gets you into all kinds of problems the second you start thinking unbelievers are here and act and going to act like believers. So, yeah, probably a good topic. Yeah. Yep. I agree. <laughs> yeah. So that introduction was so clear that nobody needed to uh, to back that one up. Uh, I will say before we get started, though, a little shout out to Carol for the homemade cheesecake. So thank you, Carol. Yes. Yeah. I foresee that it will be good. Yes. Well, Scott and Carol, uh, concerned that Kyle was out of town, you know, had me over for dinner and Carol made homemade cheesecake. Apparently she found out. And I really like it. Dang, if I if I knew that, I'll drive in the car right now and get and go there. Well, Gino hadn't eaten his piece yet, so mm-hmm. you got probably twenty minutes. There you go. Yep. Come on down. Yep. <laughs> I feel like you could do it. Yes. Uh, rush hour traffic. Uh, give me like forty five. Yep. Well, see, that's a good. This is a good working environment. This this is a good podcast and a good topic because, you know, for Gino and I, we spend a lot of time working with believers. But Chris, you you don't necessarily have the same work environment, and so mm-hmm. the expectations you have for your coworkers are going to be different from the expectations Gino and I have from our coworkers. And if you go back, 
And again, uh, maybe if you've not listened to our podcast on expectations, it would be a good idea for you to listen to that. Because when I say having expectations, I'm coming to this conversation with a lot of baggage. And that baggage is that I would encourage you to have less expectations for other people than you do for yourself. And because a lot of problems come into existence when we start to, um, to have expectations on others, especially when those other people don't know about them or unaware of them. Uh, you know, if I expect my wife to come home, um, from the flower shop and instantly do something and then she doesn't do it, usually, you know, there's some kind of pain and anguish and upsetness. Whereas if my expectation is to be a servant, then it doesn't matter. So, Mm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, uh, in terms of thinking about, right. So then, right. A lot of, a lot of relationship problems happen because of uncommunicated expectations or expectations not agreed upon by another person. You know, uh, if I expect Chris to put a thousand dollars in my bank every Monday and he doesn't do it and he never agreed to do it. Well, I look like the fool because like, why did I expect that? Um, however, you know, if there was some kind of agreement, which is why it's okay for your boss to have expectations for you. Uh, and a good boss communicates those clearly. So, but on the flip side, right. In terms of talking about people, uh, probably one of those distinctions, right. Is I want to have a right view of what I'm dealing with, with people. And the one common denominator for all people is that every human being is made in the image of God. Hmm. So because they're made in the human, the image of God, they are valuable as God's creation. Hmm. Right. And it doesn't matter who it is. Democrat, Republican, Nancy Pelosi, former George W. Bush president, you know, Mm. um, you know, Teddy Roosevelt, favorite president ever, you know, some of those, right. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter if it's your hero or not your hero. It doesn't matter if it's your neighbor. It doesn't matter if it's your daughter. It doesn't matter if it's your spouse. It doesn't matter if it's your grandma. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, somebody else's grandma. They're all human beings and therefore they're all valuable. That's an important step. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. most, I mean, the reason why people, uh, you know, get canceled. I mean, yeah. and then people are don't are not treated right, right is because they don't look at them as human beings in the made in the image of God. Yeah, you don't start there. I think you need to start there. Yeah, I think you're right. And um, uh, especially for believers who are trying to minister to the unsaved or unbelievers, people that don't know God, reject God, or you know suppress the truth. Um, you want to maybe maybe you have this soldier mentality. They're the enemy, and I'm gonna shoot them down. Right. When in actuality, Jesus said, um, "You know, love your enemies." Yes. So a completely mm-hmm. different mode of uh, understanding how to treat people. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're they're not. Um, you know, we're not yelling infidel, but rather we're running mm-hmm. to we're running to serve and 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 love people because they are made in the image of God. Yeah, no, that's a really good point because mm-hmm. I, it's funny. Um, behind the scenes, before we talked about this, we kind of had the idea of another topic, and this, but it's funny how these yeah. overlap right at this point because you know the cancel culture. Basically, when you're trying to cancel somebody and remove them and pretend like they don't exist, you're devaluing them as a human being. Yes, even if you think their view is atrocious. Yes, yeah, and so as believers, mm-hmm. we don't want to devalue human beings. Even mm-hmm. people with atrocious views. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because our goal is to win them to Christ. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, for if, if our goal is to minister to them, right? I mean, this is both for believers and unbelievers. Um, uh, your, uh, your initial thought of them, your initial value of them is going to matter. It's going to yeah. be hard to minister to somebody where you start, when you start with like, oh, they're Hitler. Right. How are you going to love them? Yeah. It's kind of hard. Yeah. So. You know, I ever think about that, that when Hitler came home from work, his dog loved him. <laughs> yep. Same <laughs> dogs. Yep. Yep. That dog was running to the door waiting yep. for him. Yep. Yeah. And that was not an endorsement for Hitler, by the way. Mm-hmm. Just that reality that dogs love people. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that's important, right? I mean, you you see, right? And, and there are so many things that the culture is putting before Christians today um, in terms of things that culture's asking everyone to believe and accept and, and promote even. Uh, and and the, the reality to me is that uh, I understand that you see a lot of sinfulness in this world, 
And it's being cultures putting it before us as if it's right, right? And they're saying, hey, this this light, and we're going, well, that's darkness. And they're going, but it's light. And we're going, but it's darkness. But, you know, some of those people that, that are the object of the discussion are human beings who, though they may have some kind of mental illness or something may be wrong that's leading them to act in a certain way, right? There's still, a bro- there's still some kind of sympathy for them because these are, these are people made in the image of God. Absolutely. Well, well, sympathy, because we know that our eyes were opened not because of our own strength, or our own ability. Right. Um, if we're if Ephesians two is true, then we were dead huh. in yes. our transgressions and our sins, and only God made us alive. Um, and somehow, the Lord used the Holy Spirit through His Word through somebody to minister to us. Yeah. You know, it's and that goes back to expectations, right? So. You look at this unbeliever who is struggling with transgender issues and you say, well, this just isn't right. This is abnormal. And and the reality is that sympathy, there's a sympathy for me because I think of that Romans 1, you know, suppressing the truth and unrighteousness and, and the suppression of the truth and whatever's feeding their brain, right? It's not it's their own sinfulness at some level and their own sinful thinking mixed with maybe even worldly encouragement. And Mm. yet at the same time, you know, you had quote unquote, the chosen people who had the law and were supposedly following the law. And yet when he came into the world, the world was made through him and the world did not know him, you know, and he came to his own and those who were his own, they did not receive him. And so even, even these people who, for all intents and purposes, had the strongest flashlights in the world, couldn't see the Son of God when he came before him as well. Yep. So, yeah, yeah. which probably means, so the first the first thing we've kind of been talking about is being made in the image of God and finding them valuable. Uh, Chris, that's probably, without getting you in trouble, uh, that's probably not easy for you sometimes at your own job as well. Well, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't get the privilege that Gino and you have where you guys are, you know, your bosses are in lockstep. Um, you know, I've, I've been in, in this service for, you know, several years now and had to work with, with different bosses who, um, you know, who may or may not, uh, know the Lord and may or may not, um, agree with, you know, biblical principles and, um, you know, and having to navigate that. And I think what's important though, and speaking of, um, you know, going back to cancel culture, not that I want to belabor that point. Um, but the reality is just, just knowing, um, what hills that, that we need to die on. Right. So when we go out and we serve people, um, in the, uh, social media platform, um, Knowing what hills that, that that we are going to to, to die on uh, is probably important, so that we can, um, so we're not we're not just fighting every battle. Yeah, that's that's a good point. See, it's interesting, right? Because all of our sometimes at some point, all of our podcast topics are crossing here, and mm-hmm. but that's a, but that's a but that's the way it is, right? Like, it's actually good that you if if somebody's listening realizes that these overlap because uh nothing we talk about is really in isolation to other things we talk about they all they all work together at some level hmm. yeah i mean they kind of feed they they kind of feed you know the principles and um you know they 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 feed other areas of, of our walk um and we just kind of need to to have that same principle and the consistency in our thoughts and our actions. Hmm. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. In your context, you're ministering. I mean, like, you know, sometimes we think, well, what does ministering to unbelievers mean? And right. In your context, sometimes it just means like, you know, working well with them and um, submitting to their leadership and just right. making it easy for them to lead you. Uh, yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. So, you know, when I, uh, I think it was Jason who, um, he mentioned it a while back. It's like, Hey, you know, be a joy to work with. Right. Um, 
be the kind of employee or the kind of boss that people enjoy being around, um, you know, because of, of your attitude and your character and your work ethic. Um, and that, that provides an example and that provides a rapport uh, that opens the door uh, for ministry. Um, and, and I know that happened, you know, uh, several times in, in, in my career where, man, I just, you know, I come in and I, and I come into a workplace and I, I bring the joy and the attitude that I have and the work ethic that I have that, um, not that I want to be the hero of my story, but, you know, it's been beneficial to where we, we see the Lord kind of use that to build relationships at work that end up leading people to Christ. Yeah. Well, Chris, you're always, you, you and, G, you and Gino Nermil are always the hero of my story, so you can that but 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 i think too right like and that's part of your perspective at work um kind of sticking with this this introductory point not that this is a sermon but i mean we are preachers um that you know you you see all of your coworkers as valuable human beings yeah yeah and and maybe the air force makes that easy because of the uniform Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you apply that logic to people you don't see, even on screen, who all you see is a name and a profile picture, like what would your social media interaction be like if you thought the person typing on the other end of the digits and the wires was a human being? You know, or if you thought of your homosexual cousin as a human being. Mm-hmm. You know, um, who, who, yes, maybe who, who, yes, is lost. But, but what if you, you know, what if you viewed them as, wow, that's somebody that God created, that Jesus gave life to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, right, there's a change there because you go all the way, the very first story after the fall of Adam and Eve is the story of somebody devaluing one of God's creations. And so Cain and Abel, right, and the murder that happens there. And it's atrocious. And C.S. Lewis actually wrote a story about that where, you know, kind of the first sin um, in his space trilogy. And, you know, he talks a little bit about that, about how, you know, how appalled people would have been. You know, and it's unfortunate now that maybe murder is numb for us. Mm. But, um, you know, I think, I think for me, I'd want to advocate to any Christian uh, value every human being the same way you fight for abortion, you know, hmm. to end abortion. Because we all understand those are human beings whose lives are being destroyed before birth. But I think we, I think we should be consistent in that we say, hey, you know, uh, and this is the hard part to live in the downtown area, is that there's a lot of uh, people on the streets here. And they're not, I always, I always say it's not a homeless problem here, it's a drug problem. And because of their because of their addiction, they're on the streets. Um, but but that doesn't mean that there's not some kind of like when I look at them, there's still this like wow, you are lost in your transgressions, and they're still human beings. You just realize how sad of a state of affair it is to be hooked on drugs to the level to where you kind of are no longer like a human being in so many ways. Hmm. So mm. yeah, yeah. But I so. Yeah. yeah. So how do you, um, yeah, how do you, so, you know, these truth suppressors that are actively suppressing the truth, uh, other than, um, other than viewing them, viewing them as human beings, what's the next step? Yeah. I, uh, I would advocate that, right. That you realize that they're, unbe- that you realize first, are you, are you talking about a believer and unbeliever? And I think distinguishing that is is the rightful thing, and and I'm not talking about be, you know, be an HR department, or um, you know, Chris, I know you have. Uh, it's not internal affairs, but who comes by and does your inventory? Yeah, like our um, inspector general. No, 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 no. The other guys. That, uh, oh, our quality insurance guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're oh, I love those guys. Yeah. Food, the food inspectors. Oh gosh. Yeah. 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 Don't be afraid. We're not talking about being a fruit inspector. Like you know, you don't. <laughs> you know, you you. I saw you kind of look at your wife cross. You're not a believer. Like we're not talking about that. We're talking about like, you know, hey, this person. Hey, do you you know you for all intents and purposes, you're pretty sure, uh, this person is not a believer. 
there's like no signs of like, oh, I love Jesus Christ. They've never said it. You know what I mean? Like, we all know mm-hmm. that. We all know who our family members who are, who are not professing believers, who our friends are. You know, you know your neighbors. They do or don't go to church. And and even going to church doesn't mean you're a believer. It just means you get up on Sundays and go somewhere. Um, hmm. But um, right. So we're talking about when you when you know you're talking to an unbeliever. Um, right, realizing that you're talking to somebody who does not fear God and doesn't believe in Jesus Christ doesn't love Jesus Christ, therefore is not trying to follow Jesus Christ. And in fact, that Romans 1 verse is so important for this discussion because, right, that Romans, I always get it wrong, but I think it's 18. Ooh, I got it right, 18, right? So the, so it says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. And I think that first half always gets all the... Um, all the attention, but there's something said in the second half of that verse that is really important to the discussion. And that is these, the against all ungodliness and righteousness of men. And there's this little clause here who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And I would, I would advocate don't look over that clause. And so in the Greek, it's in the present active particle or participle, which just means that that the picture painted here is is these men men uh, you know unbelievers are habitually right they are actually active at something and what they're active at doing is is suppressing any amount of truth that would remind them that they need to repent and believe in God and so you don't have right I think some of us think of people as neutral and if you just gave them the truth they would make a choice. You know, you, you maybe have good people, you maybe have evil people, but most people are just kind of neutral. But th- what what that says is there's actually no neutral, right? And so Jer- even Jeremiah seventeen nine, right? The heart is desperately wicked. It is evil. It is sick. And who, where are you going to find a cure for it? And, and the reality is that humans, because of our natural evilness, Right, and just because we say human beings are evil doesn't mean everybody's as evil as they could be. Not everybody's Hitler, but Romans is actually also interesting because he says, therefore, right, um, that because they didn't give thanks to God and honor Him as God, that they are therefore right um, worthy of. Oh, it's verse twenty. For since the creation of the world. His invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not um, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. And so, right, even the the fact is like people who don't give thanks to him and are not honoring him and the true him, right? Not just honoring some God they made up in their head. Right, it's not just sincerity; it's honoring and being thankful to our Lord. Right, they too, God says that's evil, and so they're worthy of death. And so there's no neutral; there can't be neutral because because as unbelievers, we are actually like suppressing the truth. Right, if if I put a lamp on the table and that's the truth lamp, the unbeliever is putting on sunglasses, holding up a piece of paper and trying to actively hide that from um, trying to actively hide themselves from the truth. Hmm. So yeah. Thoughts on that? Yeah. I think I'm thinking along the lines of um, you have people that are rejecting God actively suppressing truth actively. Now, uh, well, you know, how do you go about ministering to them and helping them? Um, and so, it's a, that's, a, that's a question that that's the question at hand, right? Um, and practically speaking, Chris, you, you probably have a lot of experience in this, working with uh, unbelievers on a regular basis and uh, befriending them and 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 uh, you know walking with them and working with them. Like, how do you? Um, Again, what what would be that next step, Jason and, and Chris? And I was asking Chris, um, 
you know, how do you, how do you take them from actively suppressing the tr- truth to considering, hey, is there, am I doing this? Or, and I, do I need to believe something different? Uh, you know, how do you, how do you get the Holy Spirit to start working in their lives? Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think that's where, you know, prudence comes in, uh, especially, um, you know, when, when you're paid to work, right. And you're not necessarily getting paid to proselytize at work. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, planting, um, seeds of the gospel and just listening to, um, just, just being able to listen to the people that you are interacting with to see how you can, um, present the gospel because I think ultimately, right? Like people who suppress the truth, um, isn't, aren't gonna, um, be made alive unless somebody presents them the gospel. Um, because it is the gospel that, that breaks that suppression. Um, it's, it's the kindness of the Lord that, that leads them to repentance. And so, um, being able to, to, to just be sensitive to that, um, you know, I think is what we, you know, constantly need to remind ourselves, like, hey, it's, it's really, you know, when, when I said earlier, it's like, hey, what hills do we want to die on? We really want to die on the hills of the gospel, right? Um, and so, um, you know, make it, making things about um, Christ and the gospel, and then even you, uh, walking in a manner worthy of the calling to which you were called, um, you know, the Lord uses to, to, um, to open doors, um, for gospel ministry at work. Yeah. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So in a sense, you, you know, you want them to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, but that starts with first, recognizing the Lord and then honoring and then, you know, that belief and repentance and that desire to follow the Lord because now his perspective matters to you. Mm. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like when you love your wife, her perspective matters to you. And so you live in a way that honors her perspective. And it's like that with, with Christ, when you love Christ, his perspective matters most to you. And so you're willing to shed anything to follow in his way because, because you love the guy. Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, Chris, you kind of even, you know, brought up definitely that evangelism part, right? That, um, but in terms of it, in terms of being shocked by what they do, maybe we talk about that. Why, why should we not be shocked when we find out yeah. an unbeliever does something uh, sinful? What unbelievers do. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, because they, they don't, you know, they don't have the fear of the Lord. So why would they live a life that, that, you know, that would honor the Lord? They're living a life that, you know, really out of their own, um, out of, out of their own life, you know, out of their own wants and their own needs. And that's how they navigate the world is, you know, what makes them happy, not what brings honor to the Lord. Right. We believers, you know, we strive to, to walk, uh, in such a way that brings, uh, glory to God, you know, unbelievers, they, they walk striving to make themselves happy. And the reality is, right. There's, there's nothing in this world really that's going to bring that ultimate fulfillment because fulfillment is found in Christ. Yeah. But to kind of push back on that, sometimes the things they do are really vile. Mm Mm-hmm. So what do you, what do you tell somebody that's, you know, um, how do you walk them through that? Right. Like, you know, sometimes your, your aunt or your uncle or your mom or dad or cousin or even spouse does something really vile. Yeah. Or, you know, like, uh, one thing with, you know, family members, I think, um, you know, that, that eats up, uh, relationships and family is gossip. Right. And, and most, you know, would spend, um, you know, time gossiping about each other. And, and that's, and that's really hurtful to the relationship. And that's, uh, you know, 
vile and you know I'm, obviously there's other sins that are more vile than gossip but uh when i just think about like you know family get togethers and people are saying oh do you know so and so did this and so so did that and how do you even address that right um obviously you know they're unbelievers so you're not shocked that there are gossipers i mean even the bible says yeah you know and we were once that you know we could have been that we, we could have been gossipers and idolaters and uh, adulterers right um but I, I think there's a, a way to graciously you know say hey like let's 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 move the conversation um somewhere else and i think that's also part of being um when you're in the midst of unbelievers or unbelieving family you become um uh you become salt and light to where you add um you add some uh goodness right to to the fellowship right whether it's um uh, you know you're hanging out with unbelievers uh, at some level like be you being there um you're able to to show them what right looks like um and and correct that you know as as graciously as you can uh because you know it's terrible yeah it's um, interesting too because sometimes with family members you know they they're gossiping a little bit and in shock about what somebody else does. Yeah. And, you know, in my right, in my right days, there's a sympathy for that person because one, there's the reality that the first to plead their case is right. So I always kind of mm-hmm. listen and go, well, that's, that's how you understand it. it may not be fully true, but uh, when I respond with sympathy, instead of vitriol and join in on their anger, right. Even that communicates, you know, did you hear what your cousin did? Oh, I can't believe they did this. Mm-hmm. And your response is, you know, something along the lines of, you know, well, man, that's a hard situation. That might be, that might be hard to respond to, mm. you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine what it's like to, you know, to have your, you know, to be hooked on drugs and to do that to your kids, mm-hmm. you know, and they're going, they're looking at you like you're weird. And you're kind of going, you know, but you've just communicated, hey, there's always a context and a, there's some kind of sympathy and understanding. And again, it's not like I'm sitting there cheerleader going, yeah, do drugs, you know, and mm-hmm. abandon your kids. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, you know, the, the, that's, a, I mean, you're so, you're so lost in your sin that that even basic, you know, created order, love your kids, which is easy for, seems to be easy for for most unbelievers to do as well gets thrown out the window and to be steeped that far in your sin is pretty disgusting. And, but, but not only disgusting, like I don't like it, but man, like the sympathy of, wow, you're that lost Mm. that this Uh is, you know, it's almost like watching somebody eat out of the pig trough Uh and they think that's the filet mignon and you're broken for them because you're like, man, what, what did it take for you to get there? And it's heartbreaking and it is heartbreaking what some unbelievers do. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and so it's interesting even how having some kind of a, that, you know, that reminder in the back of your head when you're talking to unbelievers or people are talking about unbelievers to have that, like, wow, they're, they're, they're truth suppressors and yet they need Jesus Christ to open their eyes. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that he hasn't opened their eyes creates sympathy for me because Mm -hmm. it's, again, they're blind and they think they can see, but they really can't see. And they need somebody to open their eyes. And so mm-hmm. there's a sympathy for them. Yeah. And, you know, that's, I think that's why personally I've always, it frust- you know, one of the more frustrating thing to, things for me personally is when I hear unbelievers indict or believers indict unbelievers for not acting like believers. Mm-hmm. Because in my mind, it's like, well, do you understand what it takes to believe? And and there should be a sympathy from you, mm-hmm. not a mm-hmm. vitriol from you. Yeah. And that should really drive a, a prayer too, right? For that yes. uh for them. Yeah. Um, you know, the Lord would, would open their eyes that they, they would, you know, um receive his grace and mercy and you know, just like just like us where it really it, you know, you brought it up, Dina earlier, Ephesians two, right? That Ephesians two four, where but 
God, right? Being rich in mercy. Um, because we were all dead, right? And we would, the, the sympathy part, right? We, we've all been there. We, we know that they're doing what they're doing because of unbelief. Right. And if it wasn't for God's mercy, we would have been doing the same thing. Yeah, that sympathy is really important because you're actually communicating how God thinks about other human beings. Mm. Um, God is also fully wrath, but he's also fully kind. Yeah. You don't separate the two uh, attributes. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he is both all the time. And if he is, then having sympathy for people uh, communicates the kindness of God. Yes. It communicates um, that you understand uh, they're a human being despite their sin. Uh, and that really, uh, that really does something to people when you view other when you view people that way, right? It, it shows them that wow, maybe I'm thinking wrong about this because he just valued them, and I don't even value them. And that's it exposes like you know it. it, it sometimes it can humble people. Like I've had that happen to me when like unbelievers treat someone even kinder than yeah, I do, yeah. and I'm just like wow, mm-hmm. why yeah. don't I? I, you know, no. I should have treated that person that way. That kind of exposes certain, um, you know, just shortcomings. No, you're right. And you think about what led us to repentance. Kindness. Yep. yep. Romans 2, 4 is yep. the kindness of God that leads you to repentance. And so I think, right, even that that sympathy is probably more indicative of a heart that wants to lead them to Christ right? than a heart that's annoyed mm-hmm. with them. And again, I, mm-hmm. I granted, I understand unbelievers can be super annoying. Some believers can be super annoying. Yes. You know, your kids can be super annoying, but, but having that mentality of, I want to win them to Christ, you know, with, a, with viewing them with the right, with the right understanding and what God has said about them. Right. Right, and then saying about your role, it's almost like you know you're in the know, they're not in the know, and then rather than looking down upon them with snobbery, right, you're looking at them with your truth lenses on, understanding, wow, these are people that need to come to Christ, and I am in an opportunity to be that aroma from from of life to life, uh, mm-hmm. to use the uh-huh. Second Corinthians three imagery there, so. Yeah, man, I, I think like just thinking about how how Jesus ministered to people um, and how approachable he was. And, you know, sometimes Christians get confused because when they think about God's attributes, they think about the wrathful part and they think their wrath as well. Like they're think, right. they think we can be mistaken to think that because God is, is, is wrathful towards sin, we have to be wrathful towards sin. I don't think that's our part. I don't think in the. No, I, don't think, I don't think the Bible teaches that. Like, the Bible teaches us um, to fall. You know, to to don't deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow Christ. Yes, such a high calling, and to do that, uh, to follow Christ is to, and to learn from Him is to learn that He is humble and that He is loving and He's kind and patient. Um, doesn't mean God doesn't judge and and will show wrath. It just means that that's not our role. I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I've been thinking about that a lot lately about how it's not my, I'm not the one, um, God has not issued me to to seek vengeance for his name, nor right. has he issued me yep. the role to be the judge. That's it. Vengeance is not mine, right? Yes. So uh, we forget that. Like we don't play the, <laughs> we're not the Avengers for God. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But if we were, I would be, no, <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't want to give any of you guys anybody. I wouldn't want to make anybody Captain America such a boring character. Ugh. Hey, maybe he's... maybe Thor. Gina, I'll, I'll give you Thor. <laughs> yeah, is that the Ramil gets to be Tony Stark? Ramil, oh, so. there you go, there you go. No, well, he, he he's a spy. He like he loves Spider Man. Well, okay, he could be Spider Man. Yeah, that'll fit for him. Yeah, yeah I'm not sure. Chris, just trying to think. Hmm. Yep. I was gonna let you call your own there too, but <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I'm more I'm more of the I'm more of the Hulk. I just smash things up. Hulk and, smash. Yeah, I just I just make a big mess. Well, I'd give Chris Thor then. Oh yeah. Yep. There you go. Yep. All right. I like it. Rage. Rage. Just joking. Yep. yep. So, um, in you know, in thinking about that though, too, though, kind of what you said, like it's always funny. 
you know, unbelievers are dead in their transgressions. It always makes me think of what would the Walking Dead TV show look like if it were gospel ministry, right? Hmm. Instead of pulling out a knife and running up and smashing all their heads in the second there's a group of walkers come by, right? The idea would be preach the gospel and show them kindness. You know what? Maybe that's how it's going to end. It's going to be like, instead of like killing all the zombies, yes, they lead them to the path of redemption, Yeah, which is, I don't know, some cure or something. Well, apparently there, it seems like there's some umpteen seasons in. So that might happen when we're sitting on the couch with our grandkids. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, this is the longest running soap opera they ever. Need to, they need to end it soon. Yeah. They need to just, yeah, they, they need to find a cure. Yeah, seriously. How many times can you watch? Yeah. Uh, have you ever seen the trials, though? Apparently you can go to YouTube and see the, uh, some of the, they, they, they filmed the walker tryouts where they just bring people in the room and say, okay, act like a walker. Oh, really? And, um, yeah, you can, you can watch it on YouTube. It's fascinating. There's a good comedy skit on that. I think it was, uh, I forgot who did it though. Yeah. So I always got to be careful with comedy. Exactly. Let's get recommendations. Cause yep. Uh, although Regan's clean. Nope. Yeah. Regan's clean. Yeah. Regan's been clean from what I hear. Yeah. I mean, I could be wrong getting, there could be something out there, but, uh, yeah. So in terms of just thinking of unbelievers, right, they're dead in their transgressions. They're actively suppressing the truth. So they're active dead people. And the reality about them is they need God to open their eyes. They, they need God to open their eyes and to wake them up. And even John one, one, you know, says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so there even, right, you know, I cannot present 60,000 pieces of evidence and watch this person turn their will from dead to life. God must turn their will from dead to life. Mm -hmm. And so when that happens, they're believers, now, ministering to believers is different than ministering to unbelievers. Because at some level, an unbeliever comes to me and says, what does God tell me to do about this? There's a part of me that's like, well, God tells you to repent and believe. Let's talk about the gospel. <laughs> but now, believer spouse you know, comes to us and says, hey, help, help me with my believer husband. Because I want to walk, I want to glorify God um, with my marriage. Well, now when I say to believer spouse, you know what? Make rule number one, be gracious to your spouse. That person can understand that because there's a fear of the Lord and you're speaking truth to them. And that person has the Holy Spirit indwelling them who is teaching them and actively perfecting them to be more like Jesus Christ. So now that biblical counsel can actually be learned, understood, applied, and lived out in a life. Mm. Oh, yeah, that, you make that sound so simple, Jason. Well, it Be really gracious. was that simple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it, I don't want anyone to think that. I just don't let this go over yet. Being gracious, like that—that that simple um, encouragement is so packed with daily application. You don't even realize it, but you've you've already been frustrated today, <laughs> and you right. haven't been gracious. And that's how hard it is. That's how hard it is to just simply. Live out graciousness. Um, but, I mean, look at, um, I mean, I think of First Peter 5, right, with how the elder and how the shepherd is supposed to shepherd the flock with patience leading them. Mm. Um, yes. And so I, I, that's the same way spouses are to, to lead their, their, their spouse, uh, with graciousness, with, with care, with kindness, and, yeah. um, you know, following, uh, you know, not lording over them, right, but being examples to the flock. Uh, because yeah. we have a chief shepherd that uh, has done that for us. You know, um, I think my new rule number one for relationships is be gracious. Mm. Uh, a lot of times I'm actually wrong and I think I'm right. And being gracious is almost like allowing you to pump the brakes enough to let God go. It's actually you who's wrong here. Yep. And then you're like, oh, thank you, Lord. I didn't say anything. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because it's the response, right? Yes. Because it's, so you might have been wronged um, by your spouse or by a, another person who's in some kind of um, relationship with you, whether believer or unbeliever. Um, and you have an option at that point. You're wronged. And rightfully, and, and, and I, I say, like, rightfully, you were um, 
taken advantage of or you were treated unfairly. Um, well, our response is either one, be gracious, or two, bite back. Yes. Right. And um, we normally, I, I don't want to say we, I don't want to speak for all of us, but, you know, just observing my own life, there's too many times where I have not uh, chosen option A and went with B and it turned out to be, it just made things worse. Yes. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel like parenting my kids is 90%. I understand what he did was really bad and hurt. However, you chose to respond sinfully. Yep. You chose to still return fire for fire rather than love for fire. Yes. Yep. Yeah, that be gracious is probably rule number one for relationships. Be gracious. Yeah. But but I think too, right? You if you tell an unbeliever, be be gracious like Jesus Christ is gracious, they don't even understand what that is. Mm. But you tell that to a believer, and then a believer's like, Well, how's Jesus Christ gracious? Well, at least when you stop and remind them, well, you do realize, you know, that God is gracious to you every day. You know, that you are probably only maybe today, luckily, you're five percent aware of some of your sinful thinking. You know, that the 95% maybe you're blind to. And yet God still is gracious to you in your relationship. Yeah. He didn't withdraw from you because you're having a bad day. And when I compare myself or probably any human to his standard, all of us would be having a bad day, you know? And so if God were like us, he'd be like, I'm so put off by these things you do that I'm going to leave the room. Mm -hmm. But God doesn't leave the room. He stays in the room because we stay in his presence. And the Spirit is actively leading us to be more like Jesus Christ. And so, you know, we're learning. And, and basically, every day of our life, God is overlooking our sin. Not that he doesn't, not, you know, not that he's okay with it. But in a sense, he continues to lovingly lead us despite our own mm -hmm. still unbelief that exists in us. Yeah. By the way, I think there is a context where you could tell that to an unbeliever. Oh, um, yeah, that's true. Uh, well, like, in the, like... For example, if like they found out that your spouse treated you a certain way and they they're like, Well, you should do this to them. Oh yes, that's a good right? point. Yeah. It's like a teaching opportunity, like, well, no, you know what? Yes. I he, he, that would be my reaction, but honestly, I need to be gracious. God has called me to be gracious because Christ has been gracious with me. Yeah. It's a it's an it's it's an oh, so that's what so Christ is gracious. Oh, okay. So Christ treats people like you just taught them something. Yep. That they didn't know. Yeah. Kyla had a coworker who passed away, and uh, we were pretty sure she's with the Lord. And one of the reasons because she found out that her husband was cheating on her. And um, we asked her about it, and she said, you know what? Um, God loves me despite my sin, and I'm going to love him despite his sin. And I'm going to forgive him because I know how much I've been forgiven. Wow. And I'm going to continue to try to to win him. Through, through this, you know, by being gracious. And it was kind of like, you're sitting there going like jaw dropped, you know, like, yeah. wow, that's amazing. Yeah. But, but you're right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's that kind of context, right? That, Hey, here, here it is. And so, um, yeah. So you're right. There is a place for that. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I want to say yeah. that. that's a, that's a way to minister to somebody yeah. that is maybe like trying to get you to react to an ungodly way. Yeah. Like, that's remind true. them. Remind them that you have to be gracious. Maybe not them. Like, you, hey, you need to be like. No, I, I need to be gracious. Yeah. yeah. I think for me, I'm I'm gonna succinctly say it this way: When I realize somebody's a believer, I realize they can handle any amount of biblical truth. Now, I may we may have to start with foundation things and move out, you know, to nuanced points. But at least that common belief tells me, okay, I can open Bible and use all of Scripture to talk about the wisdom of God and how to walk with the wisdom of God. Whereas I don't, I can't necessarily do that with the unbeliever, mm. you know? And so with the unbeliever, we'll be gracious. Like Christ, love, love your wife. Like Christ loves the church. The unbeliever is going, I don't even understand why, why, why would I do that? You know, but for, mm -hmm. for a guy, honestly, dude, love your wife. Like Christ loves the church. And I can't tell you how many times guys go, well, what's that look like? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You've got to learn that. And we're mm -hmm. going to teach you that. Like, like Christ is generous, gracious, kind. Now, truth is still there. He's still holy, right? Divine simplicity means that all of his attributes are always there at all time, mm. right? So never is there a point where he's mercy, but he's decided to drop omniscience, mm -hmm. you know? And so both are true at the same time. And so because he's fully himself at all times, 
but the ability to minister to a believer says, really, I've got the full counsel of God's word at my disposal now. And, and when we talk about sin, there's a common denominator there. When we talk about Christ, there's a common denominator. So he can start to learn what it means to love as Christ loved the church. Whereas an unbeliever, right, and this, this is especially in counseling, they use this language. If you're, if you're going to counsel an unbeliever, the only thing you can do is what they call pre-counsel, which is really give them the gospel and lead them to repent, try to lead them to faith and repentance. But for but for a believer, you can lead that believer completely, right? Hey, let's start looking at what the Bible says. But even then, I found start with the gospel, mm-hmm. because if there's a problem, mm-hmm. most most of the time for believers, when there's a problem, it's a deficient view of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, now let's let's carry that one step further, because in, in, as we minister to people. And not not just we. I mean, Cornerstone as a church, right? I've we've all had conversations, and and this I know there are Cornerstone people listening to this, and so I know you who listening have had conversations with people where you have seen that this person is being a little obstinate or digging digging in on his or her sin, and you're going, "What do I do?" They're kind of digging in. They're 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 in denial, and sure. it's funny because I'll say to people, "Well, you should give them the gospel." And sometimes they'll come back with what they're a believer. And it's like, I totally get that they're a believer, but are they acting in belief or in unbelief right now? Mm. And they're like, well, they're acting in unbelief. Yes. Well, how do you minister to unbelief? You give them the gospel. Can, can you walk um, a person? Because like, they're thinking, well, do I give them the Romans road? Or like, how do you, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So like walk, walk, uh, walk a believer who's trying to counsel somebody that's a believer. When you say give them the gospel... What does that sound like for you? Yeah, okay. So Susie Q sitting here, and um, she's fed up with her husband. So she's, hey, I'm going to draw a line in the sand. And mm. it's like, you know, he slept on the couch for three weeks. I'm done. You know, um, and, and he even wanted to be intimate last night, but I'm done with him. You know, and you're like, okay, well, listen, Susie Q, do you remember who Jesus Christ is? Do, do you remember who he is? Do you remember that he looked upon you once as an unbeliever and under the wrath of God and under the judgment of God? And do you remember what he did for you, right? He, he didn't leave you to your lostness. He didn't lead you, leave you to your sinfulness. He didn't leave you, right, to your own, to your own devices. Like he revealed himself to you and... He redeemed you, hmm. and he, he he showed you the cross where your sins were paid for, where your death penalty was paid for, and he was resurrected conquering that death penalty, and he forgave you all of your sins, forgiven, washed clean. You've been declared righteous, not by anything you've done, but by Christ, and you've been united to him, and you have the hope of the resurrection that cannot be taken away from you. So do you remember how generous and gracious Christ is to you? Hmm. Do you remember how every day of your life he's still generous and gracious? That if you wake up on the wrong side of the bed, he doesn't stop being generous and gracious. Mm -hmm. He doesn't respond to you. He actively loves you. He's leading in love even when you are choosing not to follow him. And you're busy about the things of your everyday life, doing the things that you want to do that are not in accordance with his will, that are sinful. And yet you come to the knowledge of that and you go before him and you say, God, please forgive me for I have sinned. And what does he do? He restores you. Hmm. If, if that's who Christ is, how can we be different towards these other people? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and trying to, to remind them, how far have you fallen? How who right? And what did he do? Now, why would you not do the same thing? Hmm. Have you had a believer ever reject that? Well, in counsel, I think if they if they keep rejecting that, the question is, were they really ever saved? Right, right, mm-hmm. yeah. And so, I think the thing is, like believers will come to their senses, mm-hmm. and but sometimes you right, you say that, and they go, I don't care. Lines in the sand. He can sleep on the couch. There's always a but, right? Like yeah, it's a, but you don't understand. Yeah. And I even try to tell them, you can forgive them and and still 
have that right because I think sometimes in relationships it's like, well, how many times do I have to forgive him? He still get looking at the porn, and it's like, yes, 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 I know. Or how many times do I have to forgive him? He's still, you know, blah 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 blah, whatever he's doing, and and it's like, yes, we're not saying sweep it under the rug, mm-hmm. like. Like, let's talk to him. He's a professing believer and say, honey, this is obviously an issue. I would like to serve you and help you so that this is not an issue. Mm, You know what I mean? And so I'm going to forgive you and I'm not going to throw it back up against you. Like, you know, I was reading in Hosea where God says, you know, it's talking about uh, remembering their sins and basically their sins stay before him. And so forgiveness is not remembering the sins so that when he looks, the sins are not before him, right? He doesn't look at at Gino and think, man, sinful, he looks mm-hmm. at Gino and says, child. Mm-hmm. And so that that calling you child is not remembering your sins against you. And so it's like, let's let's not view him first primarily as, you know, a sex fiend. Let's first look at him as a child of God who needs help thinking rightfully. And then, then let's understand, then let's understand your role in serving him to help him walk righteously in a manner worthy of the gospel. Mm. And so, right, that reminder of how does Christ love you? How does Christ treat you? Now let's serve, let's, let's serve and go do likewise. Mm. So it's, it's, it's not like a gospel presentation. It's like you're reminding them of what the gospel means or yes. did for them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And even then, but let's say the person is really not a believer and a professing believer, they still need to hear the gospel. Mm-hmm. So, you know, cause some, some people play fake Christian and you think they're Christians and then you find out they're not really, don't really believe and whatever. They just been going to church and they've, they've learned some of the scriptures and they've turned this into a moral code. But, but even then giving that person the gospel is the answer to them as well. Sure. So somebody walking in unbelief, you know, especially steeped in a very, in a very deep sin, is is a problem, right? Because ultimately, the solution's the same. Mm-hmm. You know, which is one reason why I say when dealing with difficult people, the solution is the same, whether they be believer or unbeliever. Mind in the gospel. Yeah, yeah. That's counsel I have to follow too. I have to remind myself that too. Yes, especially with my kids. Yep, yep. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, wow. Yeah. All right. Did we have any other points with this, Chris? So, well, and I think, too, um, yeah, go ahead. Well, I think too, this is the benefit of the church. Yes. Right. The ability to have other people to encourage you, to walk with you, to pray for, for people you're ministering to, to help you think about how to minister the gospel to unbeliever coworkers, family members, you know, uh, because some of these, uh, some of these unbelievers that we deal with are very, I mean, Chris, you probably have, like there's probably people on your work that are easy to work with. Mm-hmm. And then there's probably some Karens at your job yeah. that are and no Karens <laughs> were actually thought of at that moment. But, um, uh, we've got to be careful. We have, a, we have a couple of Karens at church. Yeah. Now, so. yeah they're awesome. They are. They're great. They're wonderful. Yeah, they're so, like, they, uh, they're like, they're not Karens. They're not Karens. Yes. Yeah. So, yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. In fact, yeah. So yeah. I mean, you know, the ability to pick the brain of other people is really helpful right in, in the church in just terms of learning how to navigate those relationships. Yeah. Yeah. When, I mean, I, I think there's also this, uh, you know, we talked about expectations a little bit too. Um, the level of graciousness, you know, th- there is a certain level of expectation and graciousness. For example, you're dealing with someone that, you know, has Osbergers or something, or like, yes. you know, someone that struggles in, in a certain way, where you need to be extra gracious in that area. Um, That's, that's an important note to just, that's just like a little asterisk here. Yes. (laughs) As we're serving people like, you know, like when you find out, if you find out that they struggle with something that's, uh, that makes it even like double hard to overcome certain things, you have to have extra grace. Yeah, I think so. And that's why learning people is so important. Yep. Yeah. I was going to say that's why, that's why, you know, building relationships is so important because you want to understand the person you're ministering to. Yes. Um, right. What level, right. Uh, if they're an unbeliever, right. Even, um, 
even an unbeliever, like knowing their background will help you navigate, um, how to serve them yeah, and, and help you inform your expectations. Like what Dino's saying for believers and unbelievers, right? So yeah. people in church, like we really strive to know people, you know, we want to know them because we, we want to be informed in order to serve people well. Yeah. It's first Thessalonians five fourteen. We urge you brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage mm-hmm. the faint hearted and help the weak, mm-hmm. which I think right. Even there tells you, you need to have some kind of diagnosis of, of who you're working with. Are you working with somebody who's weak? Are you working with somebody who's discouraged? Are you working with somebody who's just being obstinate? Yep. But even then, admonish isn't being mean. Admonish is, is maybe the, more the idea of um, teach truth, be upfront about truth. Not, mm-hmm. not hey, you kid, sit down, put your nose in the corner. You know, mm-hmm. but here's the truth. Um, but the, but So, right, that diagnosis. But here's the interesting part of that phrase. It's the last phrase in the in that five fourteen. Be patient with every one of them, mm-hmm. and so you know, even the unruly, right? Be patient, like because that's the thing. We even in working with believers, right? We realize they can respond to the spirit, but you have to be patient because, unfortunately, it's unfortunate for me, but it's actually perfect for for the believe for other people that God works in His time. Mm-hmm. And so it's even possible, right, that you minister to somebody for a couple of years and they go to another church and you you hear and you're like, oh, yeah, man, that person's bounced around to 24 churches in seven years. Mm-hmm. But then you you run into them around the banquet table and you find out that for the next 20 years of their life, they were faithfully committed and became very mature because at the right time they started to grow. Amen. You know, and so that be patient with everyone, right? Um, because he who begins a good work in you, he will perfect it. And so mm-hmm. even as we minister to people, you know, it's not a take one pill, you know, it's not it's not an antibiotic. Here, take these pills for seven days and you'll feel better. It's yes. you've got to serve and and you know, the spirit does what he does in his timing. Mm-hmm. And so even with believers, one of the, the things we need to be careful about is when we ask, how do we serve this person? Don't ask, don't ask that question with the expectation that your behavior will manipulate their responses. Mm-hmm. Instead, be faithful to what God has called you to do. Love them, minister to them, be patient with them. And the last thing I want to do is manipulate. Like, like my wife has, you know, if there's something I don't like my wife doing, I don't want to manipulate her into a different behavior. Because then she doesn't have the convictions to do the right behavior. And at some point, I have to keep the manipulation up. Yeah. Whereas it's better for her to have the conviction and to do it on her own accord. And even on my behalf, like, you know what? I got to love this woman if she never changes. Yeah, so This is why discipline, discipline falls short. Because yes. if you have discipline without the convictions, it's just it, it's solely based on your um, conviction to discipline yourself, which is not enough. Right. Yeah, because then you're not going to be loving. Right. You know, you're not going to be gracious. There's not going to be a reason to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, man, I, I just think that um, there's, so many, there's so many things. We said so many things. A temper expectations, be gracious, right? Yep. Uh, the gospel's always relevant, no matter what part of, whether they're believer or unbeliever. Right. Um, invest, like, if you're really someone that really thinks the Lord's calling you to ministry. Well, number one, if you're a believer, you're right, because he is calling you to ministry. Yep. Um, <laughs> in the sense that we're all called to be equipped to do the work of ministry. Yep. But ministry mm-hmm. is a, a long, um, painstaking, patient work yes. that requires you to invest in people's lives. Yep. And mm-hmm. there's no way around it. There's just no way around it. Yep. Well, we've, we've been talking lately, too, about you know, just noticing that obviously in, in Christendom there are, there are people who are who believe in the fundamentals, and then there are fundamentalists, mm-hmm. and they're the ones that are too mental to have fun. <laughs> and um, but but the fundamentalists tend to be very law centered, rigid, almost like the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. But even then, what you just said, like at the end of the day, let's say you've diagnosed, you're trying to minister somebody that that is almost to clean the outside of the cup, do this out of duty. They don't understand grace. They don't understand love. They don't understand mercy. 
Um, you know, it's the minor points of the law that are a big deal to them, not not the heart of, of belief. Um, and the reality there is that um, you still, the approach to them is to still be gracious and patient. Mm-hmm. Because it's still that kindness, gracious, and patience that wins them. And they may be unruly in their fundamentalism, mm-hmm. but you're still trying to lead them with with love and gentleness and patience, realizing that it is the kindness of God that leads to repentance. So, Amen. Yep. All right. Yeah. Well, I don't know how long that podcast was because uh, I don't, the, the thing we record with doesn't tell us. So, But yeah. uh, we said a lot. So if you listen to the, if you're here at this point, we have talked about uh, being made in the image of God and why why human beings are important. We've talked about the reality that unbelievers suppress the truth and therefore are not going to do things that honor God. We've talked about believers and how they can honor God and they can understand mm-hmm. the truth because they have the Spirit in them. And we've talked about um, ministering to people that are maybe in unbelief, that are professing believers, that are acting like unbelievers. And mm-hmm. so all of that hopefully is helpful. Uh, it's definitely one of our key philo- key quote unquote philosophy ministries, key foundation to having a right view of humanity and mm-hmm. understanding how God deals with them. And so uh, we love you. If there's anything we can do to serve you outside of this, we want to do that. If you don't go to Cornerstone and you're listening to this and your pastors disagreed with anything we said, please listen to your pastors, not to us. Um, Unless they reject the gospel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. (laughs) Unless they reject the gospel. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. But if they're like, nah, you know, uh, your pastors are there to shepherd you, and we're trying to shepherd Cornerstone. So, all right. Until next time, we love you guys.